hello and welcome to Talking Bollocks, the very special 100th edition of said show. Thank you very much for joining me. Now, normally I would do um, a review of what's been going on in the last month in the world of heavy metal right now. But given this is a special 100th episode, and I'm well aware that there will be um, quite a few Suzanne Vega fans arriving who don't necessarily want to hear a 20-minute whinge, moan and rant about what's been going on in the world of heavy metal before hearing the interview. So what I'm going to do is just change the format slightly. We're going to have the interview um, coming up in a minute, and then once the interview is finished, I I will then do my traditional roundup of the news and those of you who couldn't care less and are just here for the interview can go away and and never come back. I mean, I hope you do. I hope you subscribe and I hope you you know you find something here for yourself. But um, if not, never mind. Thanks for popping in for this one solitary um, uh, episode. But to all of you regulars who've been following, who are subscribed, who constantly support, and are even patrons as well, Patreon <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Howard H Smith then this is very much for all of you listeners, new, old, medium term, whoever you are, it's a celebration. And for me, it was an absolute joy, you know, a real... A real bucket list moment, getting to finally have a, a conversation with Suzanne, having dealt with her for quite a long time um, via email uh, and messaging, and finally getting a chance to sit down, have a chat, and ask some of the questions that I always wanted to ask. And this happened a probably a couple of months ago, and uh, well, actually it's probably longer than that, but um, I've been holding it back for this 100th episode. So um, this is uh, this is myself and Suzanne Vega having a chat uh, a couple of months ago. This is this is kind of um, this is kind of weird, actually, isn't it? Because I I think it's it's about it's about three years since I sent you the very first demo of Blood Makes Noise. I think that's right, because as I was scrambling, looking for your uh, email, I was like 2018 was popping up, 2018, 2019. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, oh, yeah, we go back quite a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, weird, the weird thing for me is, um, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've got to tell you this story. When your message, when your message on Facebook first arrived, um, I'd, you know, I'd sent an email to your management and, and the Facebook message was kind of like, a, oh, well, why not? You know, just a shot, in the yeah. door, shot to nothing. And um, I do I, I do stand up and um, I'd been out playing a comedy show. And, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I came I came back home. I sat on my I sat on my sofa. It's about like 11 at night or something and just letting the adrenaline fade away. And um, and and my 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 phone vibrates and I looked and I thought I don't recognise that I don't recognise that symbol so I opened it and it was the message from you and I, I was oh the one that said I put me, I put me in a really good mood yes yeah, yeah that I really liked yeah well, well believe, believe <laughs> yes. it or not I've got I believe it or not uh, this is this is quite yeah. sad so I apologise right I've got a screenshot of that conversation and it is framed in my phone. <laughs> Oh, good. That's great. Oh, it's good. This really cute little frame, and, um, and I, uh, yeah, I, I, I printed it. Up. I, I mean, I, when I when I read that, I was just, yeah, I was absolutely blown away. I couldn't believe it. 
and um oh good you would i mean you were just yeah you were just like you've been so easy to deal with I mean, a lot of people you know during where well, we put the album out and everything else and and people have been like how did you how the hell do you end up working with suzanne vega and and i just kind of said well just sent her a message that was it <laughs> it's been really easy well, you know, I'm not that easy for everybody. Um, there are, I get lots of messages uh, every day and some I respond to and some I don't and some I block and, um, and remove, uh, you know, so, but uh, I meant what I said. I mean, it was, a, it's, it's one of those things that's instinctive. Um, yeah. I, I listen to covers and I listen to interpolations and it hits me right away. Either I'm like, yeah, I love this. Or it's like, whoa, never in a million years. Um, so it's one pile or the other. And that's the pile you fell into. Oh, well, that's great. So there's, so there's yeah. two piles there. There is the, oh, my God, you've created something completely new with my music. That's cool. And the, what have you done to my song? <laughs> Well, you know, the thing is, even in the, even even the worst ones, um, the original song still exists. But yeah, there's times where you just know immediately. No, there's just no way. There's no way uh, that's ever coming out. Um, but <laughs> but no, I I liked it, and I, I thought. Um, I mean, I actually, it's not the first time I've been covered by a thrash metal band. Right. Uh, because uh, back in the day, I don't know what the Lemonheads are considered now, but when the Lemonheads made their cover of Luca, yes. they were considered a thrash metal band. And so they did they did Luca. And I thought that was great. I thought it was a really good, really um, uh, valid interpretation uh, of, of the song. And uh, I, I thought it was great. So I, I really like your version. Uh, well, I, I, I really like that version as well. Um, a blood, a blood makes noise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've, uh, I mean, I've, you know, as you know, been a fan for many years, and I, um, uh, and obviously, as you've seen from the uh, the thanks list that we posted the uh, the, the other day. And I, oh I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I that was I a was surprise literally... actually. I was thinking, how did I get onto that list? I mean, that was a long time ago. Um, so yeah. Well, how it happened was, um, I worked in a, I worked in record shop um as you know musicians tend to do um and i worked yeah. in, i worked in a record shop and i quit the job when i um um when i signed the record deal with a band but um for those um i was there about nine months a year and in that time um obviously listening to music all day and solitude standing was in the uk top 20 albums um so you know we we'd be playing tracks all day and, yeah. and and I just uh, yeah it, I mean yeah there's this young kind of like sixteen year old metal kid but music's music <laughs> yeah you know yeah, it's yeah. like if it moves you it moves you um, so I, I I just really got into solitude standing so I you know I had my I had my staff discount so I bought the CD with my staff discount and um, and then and then I bought the first album with my staff discount I still have those two original CDs. Um, and, and then I, and then we signed to a label and, and, and off I went. And, um, but I was, you know, I've, I've always been a fan. I've always kept an, you know, kept an eye on your career. Um, and it, it's, I think, I, I I think I saw you in Basingstoke doing 99.9. Oh yeah. It was just two of you. 
Um, oh. There was you and a guy. Oh, maybe it was uh, me and Mikey probably on bass. Uh, but it was... Was it, it in was, 1992? Really? Oh, Lord, no. We're, no, 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 no. We're talking Much probably later. about three or four years ago. Oh, yeah. So it was me and Jerry Leonard. Yeah. Right. That was amazing. I absolutely... Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Um, oh, good. <laughs> I mean, it was great. Yeah, Jerry does a great version of Blood Makes Noise. Uh, uh, Jerry uh, really kind of takes that out there. We um, worked out an arrangement that just uh, is pretty killer. But we've had many different versions over the years, depending on who I'm t- touring with. Yeah, and you you have very many different versions of, of um, the band, as it were. Um, yeah. When, when when you're looking at, at you know the very early stages of of maybe doing something or it's like an anniversary coming up, do you you know how do you start looking and thinking right how do I want to do this or is it more a case of well I've got these people around me who I know and I'd like to use them or you know how does it all come together? Uh, I hate to be so prosaic, but it all really comes down to what I can afford at any given moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing because my career didn't really follow uh, what what most careers do. Um, my career started in 1985 um, for real. You know, I mean, I had been writing songs and playing the folk circuit pretty much since for 10 years before that. Uh, but in 1985, uh, I, I hit really big. So from 1985 to 1990, uh, I had a full band. I had a full crew. I had two tour buses. I had trucks. I had all kinds of, it was like, you know, it was the rock and roll life. We had, you know, sleeper buses and, and it was awesome. Uh, and I thought, oh, wow, this is going to continue forever. Well, it, it, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't always continue forever. So um, as time has gone on, uh, I've learned to tour. Uh, for 10 years, I toured with Mike Viseglia, on bass we had a really interesting version of blood makes noise back then because it was just bass and voice which was very minimal um and really kind of cool and effective in its own way uh and then later i started to tour with jerry leonard who had been on tour with david bowie he was david bowie's uh musical director for years and he's very adept at rock and roll and he can play all kinds of um styles so we worked out that version of Blood Makes Noise. Um, but here, what it, what it really comes down to is, can I afford the band or not? Yes. So if I'm out doing festivals, you know, in June and July and sort of doing stuff like, I don't know, Isle of Wight and um, that kind of thing, uh, it's just going to be me and one other person usually. Uh, but if it's an anniversary tour and we're playing bigger venues, um, I've, I've brought the whole band um which it's always really fun and especially if you can include a couple of guys who actually played on the album like mikey has been with me since solitude standing um so i always ask him to come out on tour because he's great and the fans love it and he's he's like it's still it's it's still there in his dna yeah yeah so to speak And like you say, I think there's the, the certain fans get a, a huge buzz from that as well, knowing that it's the, you know, it's the original dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what us fans are like. Um, <laughs> um, I, um, I, I think I came, well, I saw you in Leeds would have been two, two years ago, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, 
Yeah, likely. I, I tour the UK constantly. I mean, I think it's probably one of, I think I've toured the UK more than I've toured the US for sure. I've played, yeah, I'm always touring, touring the UK. Yeah, and you seem to have, um, you know, your, your, your popularity, certainly within the UK, I mean, you know, it's all, all very well for me to say, I'm sure you'll correct me, but it always seems to have remained pretty solid. You know, you've always had a kind of solid base and, or the way you're smiling, are you going to tell me about the lean years? <laughs> well, uh, no, I'd say overall, you're correct. I, I've had a, a one or two years where I got into bad graces with the um, press you know the music press decided I was really boring for a while or you know they could be kind of vicious and there were a couple of years where that that was going on but you know that's okay we have a long-standing relationship and there's bound to be a few bumps um so overall I'm very happy with the UK well that that runs true with some fans as well I remember seeing um uh Days of Open Hand tour um in Newcastle and you played I think probably two or three songs and and then you spoke then you spoke to the audience now moi i love it when people speak to the audience it's what i do it's what i fell in love with fish from marillion who's the greatest raconteur i've ever met and he's great at it and i saw him doing it as a teenager and i thought i want to do that i want to make between songs fun as well and we'd about three songs and you started explaining what the next song was about and some idiot in the crowd just went get on with it and so you yeah. went, and so you just went, okay. And then, and that, would, and, and that was it. And I was just like, I'm going to kill that guy if I ever meet him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that has happened from time to time. I, from time to time, I've gotten ruder comments than that. Um, sometimes yeah. in Australia, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, so you just have to, you know, if I wasn't in the mood to get on with it, I, I wouldn't have, you know, I would have dug, dug in my heels and, and made the story even longer. Yeah. Uh, but I was probably in the mood to just say, okay, fine. Uh, if you're not being entertained, um, I, I will get on with it. Um, yeah, yeah. so, you know, uh, I, I like to talk. I think it's good for a show to talk in between uh, the songs and sometimes jokey, sometimes not. Um, but I, I always hate it when I go to see someone sing and, and all they do is sing, you know, I could, I could have stayed home for that. I, yeah. I don't really, I know the song, you know, yeah. from there, I'm, it's, pretty much guaranteed i know a lot of the material so you you kind of want to feel like who is this person yeah you you want more you want more from the experience and that's yeah. why you're there um, yeah you seem very you seem very um comfortable between songs has that has that always been the case or is it like everything is it something that basically you had to learn oh yeah it's something i had to learn um a lot uh in the very beginning uh i mean <laughs> You know, the early years of my club life were, uh, I was rejected a lot. I was, uh, you know, 1976, I went out and started doing auditions. Uh, I got a couple of church basement type things. But when I actually went to the village and tried to get an actual professional gig, I was turned down a lot. Um, And I was very nervous. I was very shy. I didn't know what to say. Um, I was intimidated by guys who would, you know, be kind of, uh, sitting in the front row, uh, shouting comments. Uh, you know, these are like open mic nights. Yeah. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, it took a long time 
to figure out what to say, how to say it, not to talk too much, not to say two things that were too personal. For me, not to drink before I go on stage, which made all my timing would go haywire if I had even a half a drink. Yeah. Um, it was a nightmare. So I said, okay, no, no drinking before the show. Uh, and all, so all of that took a, took a while to, to learn. Yeah. And, and that's that, but that is a, that's a great lesson to learn very early is, is don't have a drink. Um, I, I, you know, I think for some people it works. I see many people at folk city who would, you know, drink and drink and drink and drink on stage. And sometimes it really made everything loose and funny, but for me, it wasn't loose and funny. It was like, it got really weird. So, yeah. And not yeah, in a good I mean, way. In, in comedy, it's, it's generally, the, the general rule is try not to, because you will then rely on it. And before you know it, you're an alcoholic, you know? Yeah. It, 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 well, it, you can still become an alcoholic, but just don't do it before the show. You, know, you can still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> still drink after the show. But, uh, I just found it affected my timing, um, which was everything, you know, yeah. a, a good, perfectly placed pause could could really work wonders uh, at times but if you're drunk or drinking you don't know when you know you don't know when to stop talking and you don't know when to begin again so it, it all kind of goes out the window yeah no I mean the, the relationship between between alcohol and creativity I've always thought is, is not a great one I mean I've I've um, I've done I've done recording sessions after having a few drinks and then you play it back when you're sober and go can we never ever do that again please <laughs> well my my first Mac producers tried that with me they were like oh you know Susan's having I was always having trouble with my vocals and so they were like oh let's give her some wine and it'll loosen her up you know she'll have a good time and uh, it just made me very s- s- sodden you know and then I fell asleep and so they were like okay <laughs> well well we won't do that again yeah they are you know. it's not, not getting the greatest performance out of you um yeah yeah it, it, it's it's yeah they're, 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 it's just a bad idea in general basically it's a terrible idea um but, yeah you don't drink and go on stage and you don't drink and go do an interview or go in front of a camera you know that's the other thing is that it just you know it's just it's just bad bad form yes yeah like, well well, I always think as well that there's a, there's um, w- within within the entertainment industry the the it, it's it's normalised be, be, being drunk at work. It's okay. It's yeah. cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's true. <laughs> and, it, and it's kind of like, well, you know, if you are at work, you probably should show a degree of professionalism at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, and it, and no, it, but you're absolutely right. I mean, a club is a great place to drink. I mean. No doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know it's being a stand-up and spending a lot of time in them. It's just something that you have to try and avoid, really. You know, it's just, it, it, it's not an idea. And like anything, it, it, it just becomes a habit. But when you were, uh, speaking of your voice there, do you, um, uh, do, you, uh, do you ever have voice problems? Are you, you know, do you, I mean, now presumably you know your voice inside out, you know what you can do, what you can't do, what you try, you know, what you have to avoid. Um is there a particular regime or, you know, that, that you, that you um, Oh, just... doesn't that sound fancy? A regime. Uh, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> um, well, I did know, when I was young. Brits, that's what we're all about. Making things that aren't fancy sound fancy. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I think it's, I guess that's probably true. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, I don't really. I, I eat one or two cough drops before I go on stage. 
uh, and that does it for me. Um, um, that warms up my voice and it makes it feel good. And then uh, after that, I, I know how to work the microphone now, which I didn't when I was younger. Yeah. But I, I'd say in the 80s is when I really had the most trouble with my voice. I had a full on band. Uh, um, yeah. I was working constantly, sometimes two shows a night in 1987, uh, two full shows wow. um, and straining to hear myself above the band. And my voice was very thin then and I wasn't physically fit I didn't I didn't really work out or do anything like that um and that's that's the other thing is that if I am fit if I do some kind of aerobics during the day I can breathe better and I sing better yeah so if I'm if I'm in a very stressed situation I try to get myself to the gym in the afternoon and do a bit on the elliptical machine and just get my blood. I have very low blood pressure. So if I can get it all up, uh, that helps me to get it open and yeah. and then I can project. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really interesting because you have, you have such a, um, a, a, a soft, rich voice. Um, but, and your only warmups are a couple of cough drops. I'm, I am seething with jealousy here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, yeah. No, I, I mean, maybe it will change as I get older, but. Um, oh, it's okay. Yeah, that's you're just trying to make and the other thing is I travel with really good sound engineers who really know how to work my voice. Uh, they know where to place it. And when I work with Jerry, he makes sure that the arrangements leave a little window for my voice to really pop through. So Great. I don't strain as much yeah. as I used to um, because uh, Jerry kind of really listens out for that. If there's anything competing with where the vocal ought to be, then he'll take it away. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that really works wonders. Thing is as well, I was, I would, I would imagine with, um, I mean, it's just, everybody's there to hear your voice. You know, that makes complete sense for somebody who's working on the arrangements to go, look, let, you know, the voice is the star. Give it, give it some room to breathe, and so people can really hear it. And that's a the knock-on effect for you is is like you say, you're not you're not howling over a band. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, let's swap roles just for one show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, I am I'm always having problems with mine. Do you do you do um, warm downs at all? Warm downs or yeah. warm ups? We call them warm ups. Yeah, no, I do. I, I do both. Oh, warm ups. Do the show. Warm downs, like you do, like you should do after exercise. Is yeah, when you're muscle. Uh, no, that I must say that never occurred to me. Uh, no, yeah. no, I, I have a couple of uh, glasses of vodka, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> that, that cools everything off pretty well. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's. Um, so, that's a new development. I mean, I never, I never used to do them, but apparently now the the thing is is warm downs, um, oh. and that that is really really difficult because you know what it's like after a show. You know, straight away there's uh, you know there's going to be a bunch of people who want to talk to you, but you've yeah. also you've got to get to the dressing room. You've got to sit down and just kind of you know decompress from the gig. Um, no, well, not you know, this makes sense when I hear your vocals. I mean, that is uh, the what you're doing there is a, is a real technique. Um, you know, it's a very different effect than what I'm doing. You know, I'm I'm trying to 
you know, it's just a different, different thing. I think if I were doing what you were doing, I would need all, all of that support. <laughs> well, um, that, that's, that's very kind of you. Uh, I think the mistake, <laughs> one of my, uh, one of the mistakes I made was the first singing teacher that I, that I ever had. Um, I'm an actual tenor and she was an opera singer and she wanted to get me into her, into her opera group. And I said, look, you've heard the music I, I do. I'm really, opera's not my thing. Okay. It's like the yeah, opposite, yeah. you know, you know, it's, it's, it's like classic rap, you know, it's people just, you know, singing, telling <laughs> a story, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and so I, I like it. Uh, she, I like the thought of it. I like the idea of it, you know, somewhere in the universe, there's a place for that. Yes. For that opera. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and she taught me and she tried to help me with my voice, but the techniques she gave me was for, was for singing opera. And for years, yeah. so for years, I was banging out um, thrash metal with using an operatic technique. And yeah. as I've, as I've got older, my singing teacher now who is, who teaches rock singing is like, first time I was there, she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's why I'm here. Um, it, it, it is. It's a. It's it, it's using your using your voice as an instrument is. There's just there's just something about it. I think that it, it's. Do you do you ever still find yourself when you're performing songs that you performed so many times? Do you ever find yourself still um, maybe getting lost in the music or experiencing something when you're performing that song that you haven't experienced for a long time? I'm interested as to you know, maybe what goes through your mind, what you get out of it, or, or is it more just, you know, just let's, I want to deliver, I want to deliver the song as best I can for the audience. And that's the focus. Yeah, it's a mixture. Um, there are times, there are certain songs that always hit me uh, that I feel each time I sing them. Um, and fortunately for me, Tom's Diner and Luca and Blood Makes Noise uh, are one of the are those wow. uh, are some of those uh, caramel also. Um, so every time I sing them, I still feel them. Uh, there's other songs that like the Queen and the Soldier. Uh, I, I like the Queen and the Soldier, but because it's so narrative and it's so long, there are times where my mind will occasionally wander and then I get into trouble because I've got he and she and then I you know switch them or I confuse them or I can't remember yeah. or I repeat the verse you know some weird thing happens um so I try and keep my mind on it um, um but the, the the thing the other thing is that we very often will switch up the set the set list there'll be it will will create a beginning we'll create an end and then there'll be a section in the middle where there's like a little mini set of songs that swap out songs that change songs that uh we'll do one or, or then we'll do the other and i find that really helpful to refresh the whole idea of the set yes yeah there's not there's nothing worse than getting into a set that you're familiar with um because you start going in well you i start going into um autopilot that's yeah what i have to avoid and like like you were saying about the queen and the soldier there exactly that you know it's like I find myself in a, in an instrumental part in the song and suddenly think, Oh shit, where am I? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've had that. I, I've had that. I mean, the other funny thing is you, you don't really know beforehand what kind of show you're going to have. You know, you can feel like hell, you can feel sick physically sometimes. And, 
and decide, no, I'm going to do the show. And then suddenly it, it something wonderful happens and you feel great. Um, and then you can, you can be fit. You can be healthy. You can think I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give it my best. And some crazy thing will happen. Something will fall flat or, you know, your brain goes weird and suddenly you can't remember something that, you know, really well, or something happens in the audience. Um, so it's, it's, that's why it's live. You know, that's why we yeah. love live music and live theater because it's this crazy chemistry between yourself, your work and the audience who's come with their own expectations. And there's always that weird uh, spark that could go off at any time. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's the old saying, isn't it? It's that it's the recycling of energy. It's the energy that you bring and your music brings and that goes out into the audience and the audience absorb that energy and then they chuck a load of energy back at you that because they're enjoying what they're doing um and it is it's it's that it's that cycle you know you're all you're all involved in it um and and speaking of the queen and the soldier um you played that the last time uh i saw you in leeds and i have to say i burst burst into tears oh i burst into tears I hadn't heard um, I hadn't heard that song for a long time, and um, and I think it's one of those songs that when you haven't heard it for a long time and then you hear it again, it 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 it, it knocks you over all over again. Um, Thank you. But well, it, it, it's you know it, it's it, yeah. I mean, I, I've 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 shared that with a lot with a lot of my you know friends who are into like metal and stuff like that because there is a there is almost like a structure to it that it's almost like a, it's almost like a prog rock slash metal chick. You know, you could, you could adapt that. Don't worry. It's safe. I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> Why don't you adapt it? You could do a cover version of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might not go down as well as blood man's noise. <laughs> right. Um, but, but I know what you mean. There's sort of an archetype there, you know, uh, this is sort of this queen and the power struggle and, uh, you know, that, that I, I get it. Uh, do you do you ever go back to do you ever go back to to material or and it doesn't have to be like years ago or anything else but but you, you know you you go back and you you almost you you rediscover one of your own songs and think you know wow that's that, that that's actually you know that's really good that's better than I ever thought it was you know after after a, a, an elapse of time does that does that sort of does that ever happen or is it more a case of like no there's there's certain tunes I just rather move away from it's more often the latter where i go back like say i'm doing a a a 25th anniversary of an album and i'll go back and i'll go wow that's a really weird song Uh, you know what was i thinking uh (laughs) um so that happens more often i still do them especially if it's on solitude standing or the first album the first album i think was pretty solid Second album, there were a couple of songs that I probably, if I were to do them today, I probably would have left them off. Um, but, you know, the audience knows them. It's not weird to the audience. And so I just kind of do it. The song is really, I don't take a break from it. Yeah. I know. I, 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 I get that. I get that. It's so I um, keep doing it. And with um with Solitude Sounding, I mean I, I you know that that was the album that I you know first first heard of yours and um I think I nicked a lyric off it. Um 
So this is <laughs> this is the so now I'm now I'm going to admit this. Okay, in nineteen okay. in nineteen eighty eight, I ripped you off. I t- I stole one of your lyrics. There's a um, what'd you do? What was it? Um, you owe me big buddy. It was the it was yeah. It's, it's nothing. It, it, it was it was simply the crust of the meaning. I had never ever oh, heard. Okay. I'd never heard that phrase before. I just fell in love with it. I it instantly, I, I, you know, I could visualize, you know, you can visualize, just crust. It was just like, it was just the perfect word. And I was, and I was writing a song. <laughs> I was writing a song and I was just like, oh my God, I know what fits in here. Yeah. Dare I do it? And it's like, I'm so, oh, oh, so, right. I was like, oh, you know, there, there I was. I'm like, proud of you. You know, there I was, 18, 19 years old. Oh, she'll never know. And here we are. And it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's true. I never would have known the question yeah. of the meaning. So did anybody ever call you out on it? No. It's a perfect no. phrase to steal because it's still, uh, it's not, it's not something, it's not like a, it hasn't become a cliche, for example. It's not something yeah. everybody uses. Yeah. Um, it might sound vaguely familiar to someone, but uh, it's and it still is what it means, you know. But it just it jumped so, out at me at the time, and I just thought, well done. That's just a beautiful phrase. Do you do you um, um do do you play with words at all? Do you find yourself like writing little phrases down here and there, and just keeping an eye on words that interest you and stuff like that? I'm interested to, you know, the lyrical process is it is I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. especially if I'm in a situation or in a mood where I find that there's a flow starting to happen or that words are sounding similar to describe a certain scene or situation, or there's a bit of a, of, um, of, uh, alliteration, just as I had just done in that previous phase. <laughs> um, or if they start, words start to rhyme, uh, within the meaning or the, the scene that I'm seeing in my mind, um, then I start to write it down because I feel those are potent moments where you have uh, when the language actually starts to perform, you know, the, the yeah. words in your mind start to sort of at, at dance and act differently than they do in normal speech. So um, I'll think, Oh, that's, that's something I need to, to uh, jot down. So I, I do that on my phone now, or I'll do it on my, I keep both a, a, a notebook, and I keep um, notes on my phone. Yeah, I, um, I I do exactly the same. And I think you're you're absolutely right. It's it's what you that really rang that really rang true for me because it's it, it, when when you say when words are starting to to dance, it's it's like you it's like you're hearing words in a particular environment that you may not have. They just they kind of ring true in a particular frame, yeah. in a particular way, yeah. especially in conversation with people and, and in real life situations, words get used in a real, you know, practical way in ways you may not have heard before. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the I, other interesting thing I found is that it's uh, sometimes the deeper the situation, the more intense the language gets, you know, if you're at a, funeral or if you're at uh, uh if you you're witnessing something horrible on the news or um if if you love somebody deeply you know the language changes and sort of becomes pressurized in a way and and the more you try and get to the truth of whatever it is you're trying to express which is usually difficult the more the the language seems to condense itself um 
that's what I've observed. Yeah, well, without a doubt. And uh, do you do you try and finish a song in one sitting? Is is there any particular, or is it just kind of like here and there, and you know, whatever? You know, I think it's probably better when you do, uh, but I don't um, these days. Uh, I just kind of I'm gathering up a lot of material from a lot of different sources. You know, here in America, there's a, there's been a lot to 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 think about and to look at. And, you know, these images that we're seeing uh, uh, on the news and, and just uh, everywhere. Um, so I just, I'm just sort of compiling things. Um, it yeah. takes kind of energy that I don't have. I'm, you know, I'm working on a few projects at once. So I sort of have, I feel I have to kind of uh, use my time well. Um, so I'm not in the songwriting mode right now, but I will probably have a whole backlog of stuff. And I enjoy that. I enjoy going back through, through things. Uh, I know, I think Bob Dylan said something like, there's nothing sadder than an old song that you were working on that tries to return, you know, whereas I, I don't agree with that at all. I feel like, great, you know, the, the more bits you have of, of old songs that didn't quite work out, then you've got more options for a new song. Yeah, that's how I see it. And and so you you've you've got a, you've got a lot going at the moment. You're not songwriting. Is it, you know is, is that the way you like it to be challenged in in different areas? Because obviously you you know you've branched out over the last few years. And and you know sort of would you say um, are are you acting? Would we call it acting? um you can try to call it acting i I don't know that i've ever been praised for my actual acting so uh you know i've been praised for having a a sardonic presence on stage by the new york times so we like that um but i noticed that he he stopped short of saying i was any kind of actor so um (laughs) so so i I won't brag about that but i did do a film of the play that I wrote and I played the part myself and we are done with it now. So now we're trying to see, is it going to be accepted in a film festival? We'll see what happens there. I have my fingers crossed, you know, we'll have to see what happens with this film of the play, but uh, because I've spent so much time on the play, which is, it's a play of Carson McCullers, the author. Uh, I made an album of the songs from the play that came out in 2016. Yeah. Um, so I, I am a little edgy and uh, ready to get back to what I really love, to more what I'm, what I'm, what I feel I'm good at, you know, which is songwriting, uh, and then hopefully touring when we can get to the end of this pandemic. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's not great. Uh, we had a whole world tour planned for 2020, so uh, our our, our, uh, new album, our new album's world tour consists of four shows so far. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, not in four corners of the uh, of the world either. Um, but so, so whilst you're enjoying what you're doing at the moment, um, and it requires a different a different skill set as well. Um, what, was the, what was the what was the acting um, in the movie like? How was that? How was that as an experience? Very pressured, very intense. It was very low budget, um, and so it was meant to be kind of a document of the play um that wasn't an archival capture uh when i did the play in 2018 it was very long it was an hour and 45 minutes which for a one-woman show is very very long so uh i wanted to do a shortened version that was a little edgier than what we had in the archival capture so uh we i had to 
practice my, and it had been a year and a half since I'd done the part. So in the morning I had to get up and run through the scenes uh, and memorize the language again. Um, It was completely different experience, sort of a cross between being in a play and being in a music video where you have to sort of, uh, you know, you see your, 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 basically I did what I was told to do and I did it as best as I could. Um, I'm a bit sorry now that I didn't see the dailies because if I had known what my face was doing, I would have probably tried to put a little more animation in my face. Um, But I didn't. I thought, oh, it's a film. They'll see what I'm doing. They'll see what I mean. (laughs) Uh, But actually, film, film acting is its own thing. You can't you can't overplay, but you can't just kind of act like I'm talking to you now. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it really does require a bit of of uh, you know, technique, which yeah. I think if I were to do it now, I it would be a different film, but we're not going to do it again. So well, we could we, we could always we can always blame the director and say that you know, <laughs> there there was plenty of opportunity to say Suzanne love, give me more, give me more. <laughs> yes, there, that's true. And he's such a nice guy. Uh and in fact, he very rarely did that he if it was if anything it was the opposite it was like slow it down you know really feel her pain which is not hard for me to do I I can do things slowly and I can be very introspective so I did notice that that was where his direction tended to take me was more like you know okay uh just slow the whole thing down which almost nobody ever says that to me well I I that must have been a refreshing change but I have to say that A cross between a play and a music video. That sounds like the worst of both worlds. <laughs> Aw, no, plays are wonderful. Plays are so great. I, I uh, nearly majored in theatre in college. I majored in English literature, but I had enough credits to minor in theatre. And I studied all kinds of theatre. I, I took some of the acting classes. I took a lot of the tech classes. I learned about costume design and lighting and sets and um i love it i love the stage i guess that, that's really what it is i love the stage um so it, it's really it's really being at home during this pandemic is like super frustrating i mean it, the good news is that i love my husband i love my dog and we have a very beautiful and entertaining life here uh, we keep each other laughing uh which is great and uh but i do miss i miss the road and i miss the stage yeah, yeah, I absolutely, completely agree with that. I, um, I'm, I, I live on my own in a, um, in a two bedroom flat in London. Um, I, yeah. I, I had, I had my fiftieth birthday on my own on Facebook. Aww. Yeah, had a, had, a, had, a, had a Facebook Live birthday party. Um, uh, but, but I so did I, sort of. I, I did a little show for my birthday. Oh, cool. Uh, I, yeah, and we had so many technical problems. I just ended up doing four songs and then saying thanks, <laughs> thanks for coming. My my daughter was was calling my husband to tell him that the microphone wasn't turned up enough and we needed more sound. And uh, yeah. then other people kept writing in to say, "Why is your husband doing the dishes? Can't he wait till later?" I mean, it was <laughs> it was very. There's a lot of audience participation. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but it was fun. I mean, it, you know, it was one once one in a once in a hopefully a once in a lifetime kind of happening. yeah hope hopefully hopefully um you are um you're you're a bit of a conundrum because you strike me as a naturally um 
uh, introspective, um, shy person, but yeah. you love the stage. You love mm -hmm. being out there and being performing. Um, and obviously you went through all of those years of, of putting up with the, you know, guys shouting out in the front row and everything to do what you do. So there must have been that drive and that determination was yeah. stronger than what you knew was holding you back and you just had to get over it. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I overcame a lot to finally become... I hate the word comfortable on stage because really a stage is really no place to be comfortable. I mean, you, you know, a stage is a place to really give your best and, you know, uh, but I know what you mean. I, and I do feel, I feel at home there. Um, but yeah, I had to work on it. I had to, for, for a while in the very beginning, it made me angry to be on stage uh, to, to, I felt like, well, who are these people? Uh, why do I have to be entertaining? You know, uh, I don't feel entertaining and, and this is very difficult for me. Um, so I would come off stage and be really pissed. And so then, but then you have to, I, I just had to get over it because it's yeah. like, if you're going to put yourself on a stage, then you better learn to be entertaining. You have to learn to control what it is you're putting out there um, to a degree. Um, and I did, I did. I just kept going back and going back. Uh, through rejections and through my own, I, I uh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting excited now. I'm sort of words are starting to spill ahead of themselves. Um, I kept a book, a gig book, and I would put take notes as to yeah, what I, I wore, what I sang, what the audience did, what worked about the night, what didn't work about the night. Wow. I was very analytic about it. So if I wore the wrong thing, for example, uh, you know, I learned to cover myself. I learned to dress. I covered myself pretty much from my neck down to my ankles. I, you know, I was going to wear a miniskirt or a little dress. Uh, you know, I didn't want them thinking about that. I wanted them to yeah. think about the lyrics. Yes. Um, so I figured out how to present myself in a way that I could all just come out in a natural way. Yeah. Um, and I worked on it diligently and very analytically and and there is no there, there is no no excuse uh, there's no getting around hard work U ultimately whatever it yep. is you know you've got to put the hours and you've got to do the time and listening to you describe that is quite amazing because what you've just described is the the trajectory and all of those tools that you use that's exactly how you start out as a stand-up Oh, the exact, I can imagine. Yeah. The exact same methods. Record the show. Listen back to the show. What did they laugh at? What didn't they laugh at? What did you do well? What didn't you do well? And, yeah. and each time take it, you know, take it back. Um, although I always, I always, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. ADHD. So I used to record shows and I'd make, and I'd make vocal notes and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But pretty much a very very similar process and it, and it's still what i say to to, to stand-ups now and it's like you know they they i say how how can you possibly um go home and learn from that gig yeah with, uh, uh, just from the performance you need you need to you need to hear what it was like for the audience and the amount of times that i would listen back to a gig and think i'd come home and think yeah it was all right it wasn't that good. And then I'd listen back and go, oh, this went better than I remember. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and it, but it's it, what it, it is that it is that um, you've just got to keep pushing through and keep pushing through, um, and presumably that made you know that's 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 made a difference to your to your life in general because all of these you know, all these skills we pick up on you know that we pick up to use on the stage and, and, and a lot of it is just useful in real life you know for dealing with particular situations where you, you know you may feel uncomfortable and and you know I know I, I kind of think sometimes I just kind of slip into the old uh, oh I'm just going to slip into my performing suit while no one's listening <laughs> and and um and, and just it's it, I guess it's, you know, it's, it's just one big mask, isn't it? Like the, you know, the masks of, that we wear in society and that everybody has to a certain extent, you kind of build a persona for the stage. Yeah. Uh, I think you... I probably have over time, although the persona that I have on stage is very, is like the real Suzanne. Uh, I think in real life, I probably talk more, I'm more talkative uh, under certain conditions than I do on stage. Um, but yeah, I suppose you're right. Uh, but it's, it's, I think it's helpful to remember that not, that people are not always your friend. You know, it's uh, some of the, some of the anecdotes that I tell on stage are, are things that I've said a lot over time and people come away going, Oh, that's so personal. And actually, it isn't really, because it's the same anecdote that I've been telling pretty much for most of my career. But I tell it because I know it works and because I know they can relate and because it's something everyone feels. Um, and and so I, and I've worked it out so that I'm not revealing anything I don't want revealed. Um, but it has the flavor and feel of something that is very intimate. Yeah. And, and funnily enough, people can can go can take that all sorts of different ways you know some people are like oh that was you know that was so personal that was so touching how how you know how how good of them to you know reveal that part of themselves that's wonderful yeah. whereas other people would be like oh you know oh too much you know yeah yeah it, yeah exactly I, well especially in the uk as i'm sure you're aware yeah. <laughs> oh personal feelings don't talk about those um we'd really rather you didn't um um, but it's it's do you and this is this is there's no right answer but I was I got to interview eventually I got to interview Fish from Marillion who was the first band I ever saw live and um and it was (laughs) it was hilarious we had a photo taken in the hotel lobby and it it looks like father and son I mean he's he's he, well, he, well, he's six foot five, and I'm five I know. foot four. <laughs> well, yes. Did he mention to you that we had a night drinking together? Well, I, I remember, I remember at the time. Yeah. This was wasn't this in the this was like eighties, nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I remember you two being in the same sphere at the same time because I was like, yeah. oh my god, these two artists who I absolutely love are in. What's going on here? What yeah, I don't what remember it? how we met, but I remember we were definitely at the bar together and we were drinking what he called depth char- chargers, uh, uh, which is dr- a shot glass of Drambuie in a glass of Guinness or something like that. You sort yeah. of send it sh- shooting to the bottom of the glass and you drink both of it, uh, which they taste wonderful. So I, I had a few of those and then somehow we all ended up in his room, like on the floor, I think. You know, the one to ask really is Mikey, who I think my bass player, 
Um, and I got this wonderful letter from him in the morning that he wrote out and left with the front desk, uh, which I have in my scrapbook of, of letters. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That's, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It really was. It was a very fun and funny night. Um, just one of those things that happen on tour where you're like, whoa, how did that happen? You know, the next yeah, day. It- it's and it is it's amazing the amount of times that you can end up in the same hotel and uh, as like another band and you're completely unaware of it you know or, or yeah you know, you know there's people from other areas of entertainment the amount of times that that you know bands and that we all bump into each other he's so big and he's so uh sort of magnanimous and i think we were all at the bar and so i think he's just sort of scooped me up as part of his entourage um and then we just ended up sort of having this repartee and we ended up just like drinking for hours oh that's that's great that's great well when i when i was um when i was chatting to him um he came up he came up with something that that really surprised me and made me think um he said he said look i'm you know just about to start work on my last ever album and that's it you know i'm retiring i'm done and um and as we were talking, he, he's had vocal problems all his life. And, and I think part of, part of the retirement is the, I just don't want to, you know, I can't be bothered with the stress anymore. And, um, and he said, I, I genuinely feel that I'm a writer who can sing. I am not a singer who can write. And when yeah. he said that, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, that's me. That is absolutely huh. me. I don't see myself as a singer. I see myself more as a writer that can sing. And and it's like it's it's the writing that's important, and and the rest is the vehicle. Um, how 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 does that work for you? Yeah, I feel that I'm a writer, right? That, that had to learn to sing. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed singing. I always did. I am the oldest of four children. So I sang to my brothers and sisters uh, when we were growing up. And that's the kind of voice I still have, you know, that kind of voice that you sing to kids with. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Put that on the poster. (laughs) Yeah, that'll bring them in. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I, I always felt that whatever I had that was special, that w- whatever I had that was a gift was in the songwriting. Um, the first few songs I wrote, I thought, oh, I, I think I have something here that's, that's different uh, than what I've already heard. So I, I kept at it, you know. And there's something about songs in particular, the repetition. Um, I've, I always was attracted to poems and uh, the idea of magic and incantations and and even religious uh, rituals. Uh, I'm a Buddhist, and so I chant. And so I, I um, chant in the morning. I chant in the evening. So th- things that have that sort of repetition are—it's very attractive to me. So um, that's in particular the kind of writing that I like. And has um, has has Buddhism helped you um, with? with your ability to deal with the the industry that you're in or has it been more of a, a been more of a, a kind of life thing and it's just oh it's a life thing um it's helped me through all kinds of situations uh i started when i was 16 
uh, there was about 13 years in between then and now where I kind of took a break, uh, where I didn't practice in any sort of organized way. I mean, obviously, in moments of great, uh, you know, I, I chanted through childbirth because that's what one does, you know, you, that's when yeah. you find prayer again. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, so, but uh, it's been there through every part of my life um, and seen me through highs and lows. And it really, really does keep things in perspective um, for me. And that must have been incredibly useful um, whilst we're going through everything that we're going through at the moment. Yes. Oh, very much. Yeah, um, sure. It's, um, it, it's, it, it, it has been a, a very kind of frustrating time that, we, that we've been through as well. Um, and I've, I mean, I've, you know, I've discovered things about some of my friends that I would never have guessed. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's 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 all been kind of kind of crazy, and you know, all of a sudden, what you're not going to get vaccinated, and what you you, you think yeah. this is government conspiracy, and it's yeah. um, it, there's there's some real funny sides of humanity have come to life through yeah through this. I, I hear you, I really do, and here in America, it's it's exactly that. It's like really, uh, that's what you really think. I mean, seriously, you know, uh, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the things that we had been standing on, like religion, like science, you know, for all these years, uh, the idea that it's good to love your neighbor, you know, that it's good to help people. Uh, all of those things here in America are, are suddenly uh, things that people are challenging um, and have challenged uh, over the last four years. It's it's honestly been uh, a time I never could have predicted in my lifetime. Yeah. You know, I thought, oh, those things happened. Yeah, they happened a long time ago. And we've learned from them. Uh, obviously, you know, we all know that that's not the road you go down. You know, the, you know, I don't want to get too specific, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so, um, so it, it shows us that it, it comes around again. And you have to, you have to, in, I, I believe you have to fight it. You have to fight it with everything you've got. absolutely and you have to you have to be vigilant as well because these things don't suddenly appear one day they creep yeah yeah you know and and, unless you keep an eye on things i mean again without being too specific but um the the day when it all kicked off i i watched footage of the speech and i just saw somebody in a in all black walking backwards and forwards across the stage whilst people were you know, like, you know, just put punch in the air. And, and it, I just, my blood ran cold. Because yeah. I, thought, I thought this had all gone. It just, yeah. it, it just brought every, you know, it brought horrible, you know, footage of, from the second world war. And all of a sudden you just think, how, how can this be happening? Yeah. Yeah. And how can people mm-hmm. be responding like this? You know, uh, I thought it was a fringe element of 10% and suddenly it just swelled to, you know, uh, I, I don't even, I don't know what the, what the real um, percentages are, but uh, yeah, it's just been shocking. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good, in a way, it's a good time to be home and sort of just like patrol your own borders, you know, patrol your own, uh, um, just, uh, it's a time to, 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 to clean things out, you know, to yes. clean yourself out, to reconnect with what you believe in and make and prioritize what, 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 
what what are your what are your values you know what do you what do you believe um and then like act on them because uh, it creates ripples in your neighborhood in your building and you know um so just just like define yourself because you have to and uh, that that Suzanne is a really really uplifting um and, and positive place to leave it um what but what i would like to do if it's okay with you if you've got a couple of more minutes i've got some subscriber questions people who've got some interesting oh, questions yeah sure would that be okay yeah sure but, um, that was great thank you so much <laughs> you're welcome my um, pleasure oh no 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 i think you'll find that was my pleasure very definitely my pleasure um that was so much fun um suzanne did stay and um uh, answered lots of questions for patrons so if you're looking at the description of this podcast read it you'll see highlighted support this podcast click on it that takes you to patreon patreon.com forward slash howard h smith Sign up for five or six dollars a month and you can ask questions of your idols. You get uh, you get a radio show every month. You get a video podcast where we all pile onto Zoom once a month. Um, you get all sorts of bits and pieces. You really do. Um, uh, so please come and join us. Anyway, look, that was absolutely just the most fun. Absolutely loved it um the the uh, patreon questions were great as well and um what can i say you know a a a bucket list moment a life's goal achieved um i mean suzanne has been one of my favorite artists since you know since almost i've been into music um and and to get a chance to to you know inverted commas work with her you know at least you know have a guest on a song but then to um, to be able to sit down and, and have a chat like that was just brilliant and kind of sort of puts a full stop um, on the end of our time working together. And, and it's just been absolutely brilliant. Um, hope you enjoyed listening to it. Hope you enjoyed it as much um, as, as I did doing it. Um, but now it's time for the news. So, unfortunately, the start to the what's been going on in the world of metal since we last spoke um, section is um, starts very personally and very sadly. This is a celebration of um, 100 episodes. Obviously, there's been considerably more than that because I've done specials, but 100 episodes of the, the regular podcast. Um, and unfortunately, as some of you may know, um, I found out a couple of days ago... Um, uh, you know, this is towards the end of May, that the original Acid Rain bass player, Ian Gangwer, who plays on Moshkinstein and The Fear, passed away over the weekend. That's all I know at the moment. I don't know, I don't know how it happened. I know he, uh, all I know, it was the end of a long illness. Um, but that's all I know. Um, but what I do know is that I have lost someone who is... It just feels like a it feels like a part of me. It re- it really does. Um, it's difficult to describe the bond that you build with bandmates, um, and to that extent, you know, people in other bands and friendships, but especially in your own band. Um, I mean, it is the only thing I can equate it to is is like a um, a sibling kind of relationship because you have this thing that you're involved with. You have this family. You have this band. 
and um, and yes, it is many many years ago now since you know we we signed a record deal. Um, uh, you know, it, it it's a very long time, um, but by the same token, it is just insane that I'm never going to see him again. I got the news and I just I couldn't process it. It it wouldn't go in. I don't know if you've ever had anything like that, but where you're told something and it it took about half an hour to to kind of sink in and then when it did I was just in bits I really was um and don't get me you know don't get me wrong I'm you know I'm still I'm still very much grieving um it's just going to be a small family uh funeral I mean literally you know everything I know now um but Ian was part of my childhood he was a school friend he's somebody that um I used to actually have lessons with and we had such a laugh and whenever we would see each other we would always just have a laugh and he'd always ask about the band um and I'd always let him know but then we'd we'd start we'd start talking about school and 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 the old days and it was just brilliant to see him and there's this one story of being in a of being in a history class together and um the the I didn't I'd forgotten this story and he used to tell it and it because it made him laugh because we had this history teacher called Mr Searle and um he asked me a question I answered it and I got it wrong and he called me a buffoon and um and he could see I was pissed off and he said you know what's, what's wrong with you then Mr Smith and I was like well okay fair enough I got the question wrong but I res- I I resent being called a buffoon and um Ian burst out laughing just absolutely he just burst out laughing as soon as I said this um he got sent out of of class for laughing inappropriately so he was sent out he also couldn't stop laughing so he was sent out he was stood outside I was in the class and I was let off he was like okay fair enough I you know I I I take it back meanwhile Ian, who essentially did nothing wrong and, you know, wasn't, wasn't sort of lippy to the teacher like I was, is stood outside staring at me going, how the fucking hell am I out here? And he used to tell that story every time we met up. And, and that's probably the last time that I'm ever going to tell that story, that you've just heard it now. And it, it's just, it might not sound hilarious, admittedly, to you guys, but... Honestly, there was just so many examples of just us messing about. He was such a lovely guy, such a wonderful disposition, amazing bass player, amazing bass player, brilliant live. Used to get really excited. I remember him grabbing the mic at our second ever gig. We'd been, we'd been, no, it wasn't our second ever gig. We'd, we'd been sort of slagged off a little bit by Kerrang for playing a Sabbath medley. And the next gig we did, and it was in London, Ian grabbed the um a uh, a backing vocal mic just as the just as it was about to start and just shouted this is for Paul Miller who was the journalist who'd said it and we did and I was like fucking hell that was really cool man he was like I had no idea I was going to do that I, I was just such a top bloke honestly such a lovely lovely guy same age as me 51 and it's just it it's not I don't feel like it's a it's um a reminder of my own mortality. I don't feel like that because I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of it. I'm just absolutely 
lost at the thought of of never of, of never seeing Ian again and getting together and having a beer and and, and having a chat and you know sit, sitting sitting on the grass in the sun as we did so often and just catching up and yeah it really is it really is very sad gonna miss you buddy okay so um after a couple of minutes to get myself together um it's another bass player that i'm talking about and yet i guess you all know who we're talking about it is the one and only dave alefson former megadeth bass player for he is that now um so I mean, I meant obviously. I, I spoke about this case. If you're not aware of what's gone on, I'm not catching you up. Like, pause the podcast, go and have a look around. Come back in a minute, okay? So, are you back? Great. So, um, yeah. Well, he's been booted, and I've got to be honest. I think it's kind of, you know, it, it was coming. Um, I mean, I, I think I did. I, I, I did kind of think he he might have avoided the. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, I've just seen something, <laughs> and it's a, it's a follow up to the story. A lesson to to pursue revenge porn charges. So, yeah, because it's 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 officially illegal, right? Um, and it's cost him his job. So I guess this is the latest, right? I should have probably done this before I was actually recording. <laughs> I was just going to go to my notes, but opened opened the wrong thing. Um, so you're getting this live as it's happening, folks. I'm just going to pause and just catch up for you. So here we are. Um, Dave says, recently a private video was illegally posted on the internet with false allegations were made against me. The actions in the video were between two consenting adults and recorded without my knowledge. I'm working with Scottsdale Police Department in their investigation into charges regarding revenge pornography to be filed against the person who posted this video. Also, my lawyers are preparing a a defamation lawsuit to be filed against this person. This person will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. I'm taking this time to be with my family. I wish my bandmates the best with their upcoming tour and and that's it so you know end of an era that is the 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 way it is um and uh, you know the 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 rather terse statement from dave mustaine is while we do not know every detail of what occurred with an already strained relationship what has already been revealed now is enough to make working together impossible moving forward. We look forward to seeing our fans on the road this summer. Right, so, you know, was there really any need to put the already strained relationship in there? Was there, you know, was there a point to that? I mean, it's it's, it's not really needed. You don't need to add, you know, a twist of the knife. Dave has effectively written his own resignation here. I mean, you know, let's let's not forget let's not forget the guy is supposed to be a pastor as well as a bass player. So that is all done now. That is all over. Hence him uh, using the full force of the law. And this is what happens. This is. I mean, there's no way he could carry on in the band. I mean, now I think about it. I mean, you know. It's there's just no way. I mean, he's certainly not going to be able to carry on as a pastor. Why should he be allowed to carry on in in Megadeth? Because it reflects on the rest of the band. It always does. And you and you know, as as previously mentioned on the last podcast, Alefson's got to repair his family first, man. I mean, that's what comes first. Is is 
making up to the family um and 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 also the girl girl involved in this because she's not the one who released this statement this was somebody completely different so you know what the hell why I, I, this person is obviously been used by a friend um and they've got that video off from them posted I, I i i'm kind of i don't know what to fucking say i don't know what more to say it's done it's done he's gone let's just move the fuck on shall we um so um hello to peter cronin hello peter cronin is a regular bollocker he has sent me a cd of his band called cronin big shout i haven't managed to get round to listening to it yet peter but thank you very much for sending it through i really do appreciate it um next up um <laughs> fear factory looking at touring with static x i mean how perfect is that static x with somebody who wears a mask of the guy who used to be in the band and wears the same wears a wig to make his hair look the same right are going to tour with fear factory of which there are no members left there is just dino there's certainly no bloody Thingy Bob, you know, Burton, honestly. And by the way, I have heard the album and um, I I do like it. i got to say, <laughs> it's really, um, Burton sounds great on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, Fear Factory fans are not going to be disappointed. But Burton is not going to be singing on in any live shows. He's not going to be doing any tours. So whatever that Fear Factory and Static X thing looks like, I dread to think. Um, so I heard a little bit of God is an Astronaut recently, and um, I thought they could change their names to Bands Have Singers. I mean, I'm a singer. It's the Vocalists Union. How am I not going to gonna have a go at a band who do not have a, vo- a vocalist? And what's really annoying, what's really annoying this idiot right here, is that I was directed to check out some of the new stuff. And I did. And I was thinking, this is absolutely rocking. I was completely unaware that they <laughs> they were an instrumental band. And I literally sat there and I was like, right. After about four minutes, I was like, right, okay. I realise that I, th- this is probably an instrumental band now. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, go for it. Uh, it sounded great, but, um, but I'm not. There you go. Um, I, and what, you know, look, it's been a weird, it's been a weird, weird couple of weeks for me, I've got to say. Um, certainly a weird last few days. Everything has just been completely just bizarre. And then Kiss returns to comics in a new series. And it was just like, really? Can you just fuck off for five minutes, please? But no. You know, um, and going back to Fear Factory as well. Dino weighed in on um, uh, weighed in on the whole Dave Lefson situation. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure how much I really want to go into this because it's somebody else talking about something that's that's gone on, and you know, it's all a bit sort of secondhand opinions and. Ah, you know what? If you if you want to check down that stuff, if you want to track down that stuff, it's easy enough to find. Um, look, guys, I can't believe it's been a hundred episodes. I really, really cannot believe it has been a hundred episodes, and I can't thank you enough 
for for supporting the podcast for this time and i've got to as i'm sure you're aware you know i've got to dedicate all of this to to our fallen bass player ian um who used to listen to the occasional podcast apparently as he told me once um and yeah you know I, I wish I could sit here and have a right old laugh with you about, you know, all of the news and everything else. It's just not there. It's it's not there this time, guys. It's not there this episode. I, yeah, I can't, I can't pretend to be in a place I'm not. I'm honest with you guys. I'm straight with you guys. And um, it's a really, really hard time right now. That's all I can say. Um, and... You know, look, I I know I'm not the only person to have lost somebody close. I know a lot of you will have lost people during the pandemic and, and everything else. And, and, you know, this brings into stark contrast for me what, you know, everybody's been going through because I've been lucky enough to avoid um, fatalities in, in the pandemic so far through, you know, friends or family or people I know. And then just as it seems to be coming to the end, I lose a, a very close friend and again like i said i don't know i don't know what from now so anyway um it's tough i really feel for all of you who are having to to deal with um bereavement or anything like that i can suggest um getting some grief counseling um if you're in that position and and, and if you lost somebody six or nine months ago a year whatever it never hurts to to talk to somebody it really doesn't believe me i did a i did six months of bereavement counseling about a year after my father passed um and it's definitely it's definitely worth to pursuing um uh, I am going to put a link in the description of this podcast um, where you'll be able to go and watch the um, whole Suzanne Vega video. So you'll be able to watch the interview on video if that's what you wish. So, um, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure doing this podcast. I am going to continue to doing it. And I'm sure in a couple of weeks... Um, I will be back to my wisecracking, loudmouth, arsehole self. Um, I'm just a little bit more reflective today, uh, given everything that's been going on. But look, that doesn't mean doesn't mean that I don't want you to become patrons. That I don't want you to share the podcast as much as you can, because you are my biggest um, asset in spreading the news. So please do share the podcast as much as you can. And I will get back to you all in a couple of weeks. Take care.